What I felt like the Lord gave me today, I, he kind of gave it to me last minute, which is getting to be more and more common. And it's good because it makes, you know, you don't, it, there comes a point you don't want to trust in notes and things like that. You want to trust in the Spirit. And uh, th- though it's good to prepare and to, and to do that, um, but we shouldn't allow that to, to keep us from being able to say whatever God's saying in the moment. I want to do this. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed, like, you know, being from Morningstar in Charlotte, where there's a school of ministry, and having been there a long time uh, and seen a, a lot of good, bad, and ugly, just you get around, you've been around any type, you've been around for any season, you're going to begin to see good, bad, and ugly, right? Life's like that. Um, AT, Jonathan, y'all, y'all, y'all know. I've seen a lot of shipwreck of students who come in, they come in, they're excited. They're excited about the power of God. They're excited about hearing from God. They're excited about different aspects of God. Um, and they go through the school of ministry, but at some point during that process, they become shipwrecked because they get disillusioned. And when things get tough or they get things that happen in their life that they weren't expecting, they begin to kind of lose faith and really walk away from the Lord, which is a shame. And I just wanted to say something up front. Um, Jesus' call to us is to die. Okay, he didn't promise you fairy tales and lollipops. He didn't. He said, if any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. That message will thin the crowds out. But it's meant to. It's meant to. We're not here to have big crowds. We're here. I'm here. My goal, I keep reminding myself as the leader of this church, my goal, as Paul prayed, he said, I'm at labor that Christ may be formed in you. I don't care how many people I got, but I do care, am I doing my job in to whatever way I can help? Am I seeing Christ formed in his people? Are you growing up into all aspects into him? And if I'm doing, if I'm helping, I can't do it. Y'all have, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But there are ways that, that as leaders we do help facilitate people walking out their own salvation. And my goal in prayer and preaching and pastoring is to see everyone grow up into all aspects of him. Okay. And to prepare us for the times in which we live. Because we live in serious, serious days. I'm convinced we're, we're coming to the end <laughs> of and preparing for the new. There's an age to come that we're preparing for, and this age is being wrapped up, and we get to watch it all happen, I believe, in our lifetime. I believe that. Could be wrong, but I don't think so. I really believe this is the time. So how should we be living? And, uh, but I want to say that the fact that it costs everything because, you know, if you're coming to God for any other reason than to lay down your life and to follow him wherever he goes, he's God, we're following him, then you've signed up for the wrong thing. So I just want to tell you, you might be in the wrong class. You, you might need to go down the hall to the other class if you're looking for something else other than a death. God calls us to die. Life is not always pleasant. You're going to go through things you don't want to. It's going to be painful, but if you allow it to, it will draw you closer to God than you've ever been. And what is more valuable than being close to him? And if the doorway is pain and suffering, then Lord, give us grace, but help us walk through it. Okay? Why am I saying that? Because I know that no matter who you are, you're going to go through difficulty in life. And if you think that the kingdom of God is all about fun and joy and happiness all the time, 
I just, I'm, I'm sorry, you're going to be disappointed and you might be blaming God because you, think, you thought you signed up for a class that God wasn't given. So I, it, our call is to, is to you know, it, what's the scripture say? It's through many trials and tribulations that we enter the kingdom. I, life is not about me, it's about him and me living for him. And I love what Josh sung. I don't know if that's his, but I know it's the Lord's. I want to live for what he died for. And he gave us examples. So it's going to cost us everything. Now, Rick's talked about this a lot. I'm seeing this play out around me. So I just thought I'd throw it out there as just a, if that, you know, if I can, you know, make the mood even worse. Uh, you know, when the children of Israel were crossing in the book of Joshua, when it was time to cross over, cross over the Jordan. The Jordan River represents death. And the reason we know that is it literally means in the Hebrew descending downward, and it descends downward into the Dead Sea. And it's there that John the Baptist baptized. And what is baptism? We've been, we've been, we've been baptized into his death. Okay? So the Jordan River is representative of death. And the scripture talks about, especially in Joshua, when they were about to go in, it said that the Jordan River overflowed its banks all the days of harvest. So at the time of year when the harvest was the greatest, the Jordan River overflowed its banks. And if the Jordan River represents death, and for further, uh, you know, more things to add to that, when the priest stepped into the Jordan this kind of proves it for me. The Jordan says it rolled back all the way to the city of Adam. So the priest representing Christ Jesus, when they stepped into the, the death, when he stepped into death, death rolled all the way back to the city of Adam. It was being rolled back. Okay, do y'all get it? And so, um, why am I saying that? Well, Jesus said that the last days was the harvest. He gave a parable. He talked about the harvest, and he said the end of the age was the harvest. And if we know that the harvest is a time where death will be overflowing its banks, which means there's a lot of people dying, I've had six deaths around me in the last few months. Yeah. I'm about to, my, I'm heading to Charlotte to, uh, because of one of them um, today. And I am, uh, I've had numerous deaths through, I've done, I just, we, you know, just been numerous deaths, six deaths, just in the last little bit. Um, and it, I've never remembered so much death in my life, in, in my life, personally, okay? So what does that tell me? Well, it tells me, to me, when you're seeing it all around you, that's a telltale sign that we're in the harvest. So, so what? Well, what are we supposed to do in harvest? Eat? Who <laughs> <He> said eat? <laughs> A man after my own heart. <laughs> oh, reap. Reap, that's right. We're supposed to reap. All right, so one thing about funerals, and this is kind of part of the other reason I'm bringing it up. I've learned to love funerals. Does that sound a little weird? I've had to preach a lot of them the last couple of years. I hadn't preached any until the last few years, and I've had to preach a ton, for, for me anyway, in the last few years. 
But one thing that I realize, it's the most attentive audience you're usually ever going to have. <laughs> and I don't want to waste my time. I mean, it's like if you got people listening to you preach the gospel, people are staring at death. And it causes people to think about things that they other, otherwise wouldn't be thinking about. And I think that's healthy. Psalms 90.12 says, teach us to number our days that we may obtain a heart of wisdom. What does that mean? It means that we all are going to cross that threshold at some point, which means we have X number of days between now and then, or whatever that is. For some of us, it could be today. For some of us, it could be 30 years. We don't know. But we do know that there are X number of days that we have until we cross over. That should help us to focus us, and that's what death and funerals do. It helps us focus and begin to um, think about the way we're living is, or, or what we're living for is it important. Now, a lot of people, they get sober for a day or two, and then they go back to living life and you know, and that is what it is. But I don't want to do that. I want to live alert. I want to live on purpose. I want to live with his purpose, making the most of my time. I want to have as full of fruit as I can possibly have in heaven. When I, when he, when I, when I go in, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to say, look, you've been faithful with five talents. Here's five more. I want that. I am striving towards that. I'm asking for grace for that. I also know how weak I am and how much I struggle, but he knows that too. But I'm asking for grace and help to, to do that. And so what we need to ask ourselves is what are the things that we really need to be living for? Now, I'm going to begin to steer this a particular direction, but I want to say up front, this is, I think this is one of the main things that we need to focus on, but this is not the only thing, Okay. But this is one important one, what I'm about to share today. And I think if we do this, honestly, I think if we have this focus, what I'm going to share today, it will help every other area of our life and it'll keep you in balance. I think we get in, we, we lose balance very easily where we begin to get off. And I'm, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody. So what we're, what we're wanting to do is to relook at all this, we want to stay balanced, we want to be, and I think this is part of that. All right, so Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise, all right? Now, if you got your Bibles, turn over to John 4. How many are familiar with the story of the, uh, when Jesus went to the Samaritan woman at the well? If you watch The Chosen, I know you, you know it. <laughs> Because it was in the, the last episode of the first season. Jesus is with his disciples. They go into a town of Samaria. I'm going to kind of do a synopsis, and then I'm going to go to a few scriptures. But he goes to this well, where they're, and he sends his disciples off to the town to buy food. And he's, he knows that when he gets there, or I think he knew, uh, but regardless, he meets a Samaritan woman at the well. And she was coming to draw water, and when he meets with her, uh, in those times, Jesus didn't, Jews did not associate with, with Samaritans. Samaritans in that day were considered, um, by Jews, they were considered like, 
I don't know how to say it any other word, way, but like bastards. They were they were um, mixed. They they were mixed both in their bloodline, but but even more importantly, they were mixed in their religion. They had become. It was the the tribes of Israel who had mixed with the Assyrians when they took them over many many many. Uh, moons prior, and they had become mixed in their um, religious beliefs. And so because of that, the Jews did not associate with the Samaritans because they, they've considered their religion as being mixed, okay? Which it was. Their, their religion was mixed. And so Jesus comes there, and he, he asked this lady for some water, and uh, she's, you know, he says, sir, you have nothing to draw with. In the, no, I'm sorry. Um, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you? Are you? And who gave us this well and drank of it himself, his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come to this all the way here to draw. He said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She was observant. (laughs) The Lord gets this word of knowledge. The Holy Spirit shows him that she has had five husbands, and the one that she's with was not her husband now. And he spoke it out. You know, that could have hurt her feelings, don't you think? But Jesus spoke it out. He obeyed the Spirit. And what ends up happening uh, is she, he ends up basically, she's like, he starts having a religious discussion about how to worship. And that's not my point today. Jesus began to tell them that salvation is from the Jews, but there's coming a day when you will neither worship here on this mountain or in Jerusalem, for the Father desires worshipers who worship in spirit and truth. He was talking about a new covenant that was coming where we begin when we're born again, and worship is not about where you go like it was under the old covenant. It's about where your heart goes. And so Jesus ends up, she's like, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to explain all this to us. And Jesus said, I am he. And at this point, the lady just takes off. And she runs into town, and she begins to call, just tell everybody, this guy told me everything about my life. Now, in this passage, Jesus didn't tell her everything about her life, but she says he did. Now, maybe he did, and it wasn't written, or maybe it had such an impact, it, it, it was like, it might as well have been everything. You know what I mean? But it impacted her. And she ends up having all these Samaritans come out to Jesus, where he loved on them, he ministered to them, and by the end of it, uh, they end up saying that no longer do we believe because of her testimony, but now we have seen it for ourselves and know that you are the Messiah. Okay? So they, they came to Jesus. So this lady, impacted by Jesus, went off, shared her testimony, 
and it reached people, and they came to Jesus, and then they could see for themselves. That's the way it always has to be. You, no, one can, no one can believe in Jesus solely by our own testimony. It has to, he has, they have to come and see for themselves. Our testimony is about drawing people to him so that they can taste and see that the Lord is good for themselves. If it's not their faith, it's not faith. But we are called to be light to draw people to him. And that's what I want to talk about today. You, let's, if you go down to verse, this is John 4. Um, the disciples basically come back, and at verse, I'm going to start at about verse 35. But the disciples came back, they're seeing all this, they're shocked. Here Jesus is meeting with a woman by himself, and, and besides that, it's a Samaritan woman. So Jesus is like totally wrecking their, their religious mindsets. Like he's destroying it, which is good. Sometimes we need our religious mindsets destroyed, you know? We need these things that we think that aren't really God's heart to be, you know, broken. So break it in us, Lord. Um, so we go on, and Jesus says to him, well, I'm going to start, I'm going to go back up. Uh, verse 31, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples were saying to one another, no one brought him anything to eat, did he? Jesus said to him, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. When we are being used of God to impact other people, there is a satisfaction that comes to us that cannot be compared with any, I mean, it's just amazing. If, any, if you've been used of God to help someone else, it just does something to you, doesn't it? You get a word for somebody or you share the Lord with somebody or you're teaching somebody and you can feel the anointing and you know the Lord's you know, helping somebody through you. You can feel the Holy Spirit working through you. It does something and it transforms us and it gives us a food to eat that no man can give. It's, uh, it satisfies us in a way that natural food happens. And then Jesus goes on to say, Do not say that there is yet four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields that are white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit to eternal life, so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this case the saying is true, one sows and other reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Okay. So here's the deal. Jesus was telling the disciples at that time that the harvest fields were already ripe for harvest, but we needed laborers to go into the fields. What that means is there's always people to be reaped, but we don't have people that are willing to reap them. I've been guilty of that. But God wants us to begin to turn our focus on me, 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 me. Y'all know the me, 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 me. You know, everything's about me, 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 me. And he, y'all get it, right? Me, okay. We want to not be, have a me, me attitude, but, but allow the gospel. I mean, what we're experiencing in the gospel, what the gospel actually does for me, 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 it should impact me in such a way that I have to share it with others. If the gospel that you're living is not stirring you up to share with others, I'm going to question your, what you're really getting. Because 
if we're supposed to be growing up into all aspects into him because of the gospel, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent his son to leave heaven to come to earth to rescue us. And if we don't have that same heart to reach out to people who are perishing, and they're, they're all around us, you're going to go to work this week, you're going to go out and about, and you're going to see people all around you that are right now heading to hell. They're heading to hell, and God loves them. He doesn't want that, and he wants to use us to share his light, to go to them and to say, oh, look what the Lord has done for me, and to draw them to him so that they can taste and see for themselves. And that means that we have to begin to get into a place where we begin to engage with the Lord. You can't do it without him, but engage with the Lord to allow him to work through you to reach people everywhere you go. Now, I'm, I've become pretty decent at teaching this. I don't live this well. I, I live it better than a lot of people, but that doesn't do nothing. To whom much is given, much has been required. You know, I could show up in heaven and the Lord be like, you know, I gave you all this understanding. I gave you all this stuff and you only did it about a third of the time. And I'm going to be like, man, ouch, Lord. I don't want to be that way. I want to give him a hundredfold return on my life. But I also am very weak and I'm going to talk about my weakness a little bit because I think it's important that we see weak leaders. Did you hear me? It's important that we see weak leaders. Leaders are weak, just like you're weak. <laughs> We're, we all struggle with stuff. You know, the, the donkey was no more special because the Lord opened his mouth and he spoke than he was prior to speaking. He's still a donkey. The donkey was no more special. That was the story in Numbers. The, the donkey was no more special that carried Jesus into Jerusalem as he was the day before except for the fact that the Lord rode on him. But in of himself, he was not special. The Lord decided to get on the donkey. And that's what happens when the Lord uses us. That doesn't mean we don't have struggles. You, the most anointed person you have ever seen from a platform is still someone that struggles with things. They, they struggle because we, we have sin dwelling in the flesh. Paul said, the Paul, one of the greatest examples and he says in Romans 7, the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. He says, who can save me from this wretched man that I am? He saw it in his own self. I see it in me too. I struggle. And so I think it's helpful that we realize that everybody struggles, but let's struggle. You know the difference between a struggle and not struggling? Giving up. If you don't struggle then that means you've, you've just given yourself to not live a victorious life, not to be, have an overcoming life. But if you're struggling, that means you're fighting against the, the weakness. You're asking the Lord to help you. And so that's what we need to do. Turn over to Romans 10. I'm going to make a statement. I've said this before, but, you, but it's been a, been a little bit since I have did any type of training on this. But... Um, Um, in Romans 10, well, just if, you, if you're looking at Romans 10, um, let's see, I'm trying to find what verse to start with. 
Okay, let's start in verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. In your mouth, emphasis mine, in your mouth, the word is near you. It's in your mouth. Everybody say, in my mouth. And in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, the person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses it, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed, or another, another translation says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame, not be cast away. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him who they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of of good things? However, they did not all heed the good news, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. One of the things that I've noticed is that God really doesn't do much outside of humans. I mean, he does. He does a lot of stuff outside. But everything he does in the earth, he does with involvement of humans. The heavens are the heavens of the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. Man has authority in the earth. God works through men. And think about this. Jesus appears to Ananias in the book of Acts, and he tells him to go to Paul, Saul of Tarsus, to pray for him, and to see the scales falls off of having baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized and welcome him into the church. Why didn't he just do it? He just met with him a little bit ago. He had a person go and do these things. God, the way God reaches out, and we know this in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is 5, it talks about we are ambassadors for Christ as Christ is, uh, is, is using us as ambassadors to reconcile the world to himself. We are his ambassadors. We are the ones that God will use to reach other people, but we have to learn how to have big mouths. Because this is the deal. No one comes to the Lord without someone saying something. You don't get saved without words. Words actually bring salvation. Cornelius in the Bible. Y'all know the story in Cornelius and Acts? An angel appears to him and says, send for Simon Peter and he will tell you words that you will be saved by. The scripture says that he sent his word and healed them. First Peter, uh, both, you know, John 3, when we're talking about unless you're born again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then P- Peter goes on in his epistle, and he talks about how we have been born again of incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. 
the word that we speak to other people is actually the very thing that opens up the door for them to either receive or reject. And if they receive that word, they enter into eternal life and they're born again from above by that word that you just speak because you were speaking uh, with the anointing. When you talk about Jesus and faith, it's anointed whether you feel it or not. And that word goes deep inside someone's heart when they receive it and they get born again, all because you planted a seed through the direction of the Holy Spirit. So what happens when that doesn't happen? What did he say? How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how will they believe in him if they have not heard? So to the degree that we're willing to open our mouth is the degree that people have an opportunity to be born again. People's salvation is dependent upon our ability to speak. Now, can God work around us? He didn't want to. I'm not going to put God in a box. But I know that this is his plan. This is his way. This is the majority of all scripture is God using people to speak on his behalf. Think about it. God, how, how much of the Bible is God talking to a prophet to go to the people to tell them stuff? Why didn't he just go himself? Well, he finally did in Jesus. But that's the exception. Everywhere else... But even in Jesus, Jesus became a man. So here's, what I'm, here's where I'm get, going. Here's what I'm getting at. We've got to get a big mouth because we're, there's people all around us that are ready for the gospel. I have dealt with so much fear this week over this thing. <laughs> here's where my weakness comes in. I, people don't know this about me. Some do. But I have, I've, all my life, I've had major battles with fear intimidation I, to the point that I, there's times that I don't even want to be out in public because I don't honestly I'm I, I'm I have this fear that comes over me what am I going to have to do what will God ask me to do because I've lived long enough to know that God asks me to do things sometimes <laughs> and sometimes they're scary to me and I don't want to do it okay so that it brings anxiety yeah I've battled that most of my life and, it, and I've gotten better at it because I've, I'm struggling with it Y'all hear it? I'm struggling with it. I'm not just letting it win. I'm actually resisting the devil. Submit to God, resist the devil, he shall flee. But there's some struggling that's got to go on. This week, I've had an incredible week. I've had some incredible prophetic words for people that I've given, and it rocked their life. I have some other people that I think I had prophetic words for them, and I didn't give it, and it rocked my life in a bad way. I, f- I had to deal with regret and disappointment last night. I wasn't sure if something was the Lord. I had enough to go on that I should have stepped out, and I chose to not do it. Part of it was I was tired, really tired, and, and I missed it. I just really blew it, okay? We're all going to blow it sometimes. But the thing is, is to get up, shake the dust off your feet, and keep fighting, keep struggling, with your weakness keep struggling with your weakness because it's imperative that people hear what we have to give them and if we don't speak who will if we're not bold who's going to be don't look around to somebody else to do what you can do because i'm gonna tell you there's people you can reach that no one else can reach there's spheres of authority that you have that no one else has you know, I have sphere of authority in here. People come and they actually listen to me. <laughs> it's a miracle. 
But you know, you guys, you must have sphere of authorities in your workplace. I can't reach. I can't. I can't go in there. And they're not going to receive me like that. But you, they know. You have spheres of authority to reach people that no one else can reach. We have to engage in overcoming our fear to speak up and get a big mouth. Now, I've been struggling all week with this because I've had a wave of this hit me. Sometimes I, am, I feel like Peter. I really do. There are days I pick that sword up and I'm ready to charge a troop and I'm cutting people's ears off. And, you know, <laughs> uh, I mean, if you know the Bible verse, you know what I'm talking about, but it, it's not bad. I'm not really cutting anybody's ear off. But the, the boldness that he had that night, he, he, he charged a bunch of armed soldiers. What boldness. And then a few hours later, he's cowering between a, a servant girl who was like very lowly in her, in her, the state of their social structures. <laughs> she was like the least of them, and he, he can't even stand up to her. Well, who is this dude that just charged an army? I feel like him. There are days I'm as bold as a lion, and there's days that I am shivering in my boots over the stupidest little stuff. Why am I telling you that? It's okay to be afraid. It's not okay to let fear control your life. It's okay to feel it, but it's not okay to give in to it. If you do give in to it, repent of it. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. Help me. I'm going to try again and get up and try again. I have failed a thousand times, a thousand times or more at speaking up when I shouldn't. I have, you know, when y'all hear us doing prophetic training and you hear all the stories and everything that God's doing, you hear all the good stuff, but there's, for every time I have a success, every, I would say for every three or four successes, I have at least one that just really bombs. And, or for every five attempts, I may have one or two where I, I got chicken and I didn't do it. And that's a miserable feeling. I should learn this, but I would rather look like a fool than feel the, the misery of having known God gave you something to share and you, or to think that God might have given you something to share, but you didn't share it. I'm preaching at myself. Timothy, pay attention to your own teaching. This is not what I wanted to share on today, especially after my big failure last night. But, uh, but I think it's important that we get real with one another, that we see weakness in one another, but that you know, God, he, he wants to use us in our weakness. It's okay that you're afraid. Tell him you're afraid. If you have an opportunity, you're out and about, and you feel like the Lord's moving on you to, to share with somebody you don't know and you're afraid, say, Lord, I'm terrified. Help me. Help me, Lord. I want to do right. I want to do what you want, but I'm really scared, and I know you'll help me because Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fear. How do we get free from our fear? Seek the Lord. Lord, help me. I'm struggling. And he will come, and he will give you the strength that you need to do what you got to do. You have to step into it. When you don't, don't beat yourself up. Shake it off. Get up again. The righteous fall seven times, but arise again, right? So, But this is a time that we harvest is right now all around us. We have got to be engaged in reaching the lost right now. There's people dying and going to hell all around us, and we have to take every opportunity that we have, whether it's funerals. <laughs> Boy, if you invite me to come to any funerals, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you're going to hear the gospel preached. 
if that's if you want somebody to give some eulogy of some person I'm probably not the person to ask because I've determined that I'm going to, this is the best audience that you're ever going to get. <laughs> Use it. But wherever you're at, if you're in the grocery store, if you're at work, you don't have to run around with your head like a chicken with his head cutting off just trying to, you know, but just be sensitive to the Lord. And when the door opens, jump through it. When you feel a nudge from the Lord, do it. I was at Best Buy the other day. This is a success story. I look at this guy who's helping me, and all of a sudden, he reminds me of this guy I knew 20-something years ago who played guitar a little bit, who, 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 was, who used to lead worship. I think his father was a worship pastor, and, but he had gotten wounded and had a lot of questions and doubts and started questioning a lot of things about the Lord and Christianity, and he was just struggling with his, with his thoughts. And so I go up to the guy, and, I, and, and first I, I prayed. I'm like, Lord, is this you? Oh, God, are you sure this is you? You know, Lord, I'm not sure. Is this you? Uh, and I keep wrestling. And finally, I go up to the guy and say, look, I said, you play, you play guitar, don't you? And he's like, well, you know, I used to play. Uh, I haven't played a lot. I broke a string. But yeah, I've played. He's like, why do you ask? And I said, well, I felt like the Lord showed me that you, you did play the guitar. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor, actually. And, and I felt like he, he showed me you were actually called to be a worship leader. I said, but you're going through something right now where you're you're, you believe in God, but you're having a lot of things uh, come at you that's causing you to have a lot of questions and a lot of things you don't understand, and, and it's causing you to struggle a little bit. But the Lord wants to meet you, and he wants to give you insight and understanding and help sure up those foundations in your life. He's like, man, that's so ironic that you would say that. He's like, well, actually, he's like, my dad's a, my dad's a worship pastor, and uh, I am. I'm going through stuff right now. I'm just, I've been, I just don't know. I mean, I, I do believe in God, but I'm just having all these doubts about Christianity right now. What do you think that just did for that guy? And he was like, man, thank you for your beautiful words. It was kind of weird the way you responded that, with that. But, uh, but people don't know how to take that sometimes. I'm so glad I stepped out. Okay? Had the same opportunity last night, and I totally blew it. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to knock off the dust, and I'm going to try again next time, okay? It's okay if you mess up. Just don't, let's keep, let's grow from it, okay? Y'all hear what I'm saying? All right, praise the Lord. Let's reach some people. Lord, I'm asking that you help us. We need help. You know we're weak. You know we're Peter's. We need help. We need courage. We need boldness. Lord, the disciples in the book of Acts, they, they began to pray, and Lord, and you gave them the power of the Holy Spirit, and you shook the place, and it says they went out and spoke the word with boldness. When the Holy Spirit comes, you give us boldness. We need that in this day. So, Lord, make us bold as lions and give us that grace to step in past our fear to speak that word that could change somebody's life. Father, help us stop navel-gazing and stop caring about what other people think. Father, I'm repenting of that for the whole church. I'm sorry for caring more about what people think than what you think. And I don't want to be that way, so help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And he's going to help us. He's okay with our weakness, but he's going to help us. Give us big mouths, Lord.